I'm ready to rock. We went from pitching is awesome to like, oh my God, my pitching staff makes me want to. Welcome to the episode four of Blake Street Banter, where one of us know what the word banter means, the other two are just just here. <laughs> um, so this dude, we're jumping right into it. Twitter wars is the best kind of wars because you kind of be respectful, but still disrespect somebody, but also still kind of like what they do. Mike Petriello went out here and said, can Charlie Bachman hit 400 on if he wasn't in Coors? And to that, I say, pish posh, sir. And tweeted at him and asked him about DJ LeMayhew. He's doing, being very successful in New York Yankees. He can hit because he's a freaking man. And he goes, I wrote about that quite a bit. You should go find that article. I asked him to cite it. He's had 12 hours to respond. He didn't. So here's the bus, Mike. Bump, bump. And here we are. Again, Mike Petriello, I respect everything you do. You've had a great career. I'm just a dude. But you can't sit here and say that Charlie Blackman isn't good. At so, all. Yeah, so this is the MLB StatCast guy. And this all comes up because all the headlines are talking about Charlie getting close to 500 for the season. After today, you know, that's a different conversation, but he's pretty close to it. And so basically it comes out and he makes the argument that um, people are sick of hearing about Coors, rightfully so in his own words. And yeah, you're right, Mike. And then he keeps going on and then he says, stop there, stop there, Mike. (laughs) Don't end something with rightfully so. Come on, just stop. Don't say that. Anybody that's have a conversation with anybody, if you interject but into the conversation, it negates everything before that. So sorry, but blah, 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 but whatever. So um, he proceeds to say that Charlie's close to 500 because of Coors, absolutely because of Coors. Um, and then he goes on to cite that uh, 10 out of the last 27 batting titles have been won by Colorado Rockies. That's absolutely true. And then he goes one more sentence, and he goes out of his way to own the Phillies, to let them know that they haven't had a batting title since 1958. So obviously he just cites the extreme to emphasize his point, which – is good journalism, but at the same time, it's kind of lazy. Um, so, first, Mike Petrielli is lazy. It, it is lazy. I mean, you just pick out the weakest team and you say, hey, by the way. And Jimmy Rollins won an MVP in 2007. And that year, Matt Holliday won the batting title. And in my view, undeservedly so, Jimmy Rollins got the MVP. So, Philly's definitely gotten something, including a World Series title. Anyway, different conversation. So I have two arguments. It, my argument is that the Coors effect is absolutely real. Yes, it is. Nobody's going to negate that. Nobody's going to say it doesn't exist. But my counter argument is that people have been using it to hold down elite hitters in Colorado Rockies for far too long. So let's dive into it. So his tweet says that Chuck wouldn't be hitting 500 without Coors. Um, well, Chuck's hitting 438 on the road. Uh, most guys hit better at home than on the road, no matter what. DJ LeMay, who right now for the Yankees, uh, he's a right-handed hitter. He doesn't take advantage of the right field porch. Uh, he's hitting 500 at home and 342 away. Okay, short season, don't want to cite that. Fine, whatever. In 2019, Anthony Rizzo hit 354 at home and 233 away. That's a huge gap. But nobody ever says, you know, goddamn Wrigley Field. That Ivy, that Ivy will bump up that average 100 points. Yeah, I mean, that's, wait, that that's doesn't a, make sense. 
<laughs> that's a 120 point gap. So, but nobody ever talks about that, right? So it's just Coors. Coors is, it's the easy target, unfortunately. So now on where he's talking about the batting titles. Yeah, we've won 10 in the last 27, um, but only two of them, I would say, are out of the ordinary. Uh, Carlos Gonzalez in 2010, he never approached that high of an average again. Uh, Michael Kadire hit almost 40 points higher than his career average in 2013 when he won it. So those two, you could make an argument, but those other eight just don't really make any sense because those are elite hitters and they're using the Coors effect to hold down those hitters. So Matt Holiday won it in 2007. He had seven, seven times in his career, he had over 300. So he's an elite hitter. Justin Morneau, 2014. You, you know what his average was? 319. 319. That is the lowest since 1991. That's almost a 25-year gap. And Morneau is an ex-AL MVP, so elite hitter. Can you say that again? AL MVP? MVP a is like the best player in a league, right? I'm just making sure Mike understands that. Correct. In the okay. MVP, elite hitter. DJ LeMahieu, 2016. DJ, elite hitter. He finished second in the AL batting title last year, and he hit over 300 uh, over half his career. Charlie Blackman won in 2017. Clearly, he's approaching 500. He's a perennial all-star. Enough said. The other titles were the late 90s Walker, uh, Helton Mix. Walker, obviously, Hall of Fame, elite. Helton, probably Hall of Fame, should be Hall of Fame, elite. Galarraga won it in 1993 pre-Humidor. So get off me with this Coors Field junk to hold down elite hitters when they are elite. So I want to bring up an example of 2012. So you had Buster Posey, who finished first in the batting title, and Andrew McCutcheon, who finished second. Buster beat him by nine points. Buster played seven games at Coors Field, where McCutcheon only played three. And in those seven games, Buster hit 485. McCutcheon only hit three. 333. So is that is that nine points tainted because Buster got more at Coors Field? No. Take it away. Take it away. It doesn't nobody, count. Nobody would make that argument. So if you want to apply that to Rockies hitters, then you need to apply it across the board in the NL. And it's just it's a re, it's it's a lazy argument, is what it is. Hanley Ramirez on that point. Hanley Ramirez uh, won it in 2009. He is, he is a player that actually is one of the very few that had a higher away average than at home in his batting title. But dude, man, played three games at Coors, hit 692. So that's, what, 20 at-bats, he had 14 hits? So Something like that? That's going to bump it up. Take it away. It's pretty good for – I mean, especially when you're talking about a batting title that's only a couple points away – and there are some there are some Rockies batting titles where they are only a couple points away. So maybe you could say, you know, the Coors effect. But at the same time, there's other batting titles like Walker specifically won it by almost 30 points one year. Helton almost won it by 20 points another year. You take away Coors, they're still going to win it because they're elite hitters, plain and simple. On that, Larry Walker, so for the, all the haters before they trip back, Larry Walker – has benefited greatly from Coors Field. He hit over 400 and at home in his three in his three campaigns that he won the batting title, and hit 300 or lower on the road. It's a 100 point difference. In one year, he had a 175 point difference 
uh, from road to away or at home. And so he did benefit, but he's still hitting 300 away. Like he's an elite hitter, right? Like you're happy if your dude hits 300. Right. Again, again, the argument is Coors Field effect does exist, but quit using it against us so blatantly because they are elite hitters. Troy Tulowitzki should have won that um, NL Rookie of the Year over Ryan Braun in 2007, Matt Holliday. But he got it taken away because Coors. My issue is stop picking and choosing and dumbing it down to just home and road, home and road splits because there's way more involved with just what, what your general splits are. Look at where we're playing on the road. We're playing in L.A., we're playing in San Diego. We're playing in San Francisco, all like major pitcher-friendly parks. So obviously, we're going to have more of a discrepancy than other teams. And it just seems like nobody's – they just want to look at home and road splits just as a general stat and not think about what else is involved with it. And to come back and say Charlie Blackman is only hitting – close to 500 because of what he's doing at home. He's hitting 438 on the road. So you can't possibly even say that. He's going to hit over – if the season ended today, he'd hit over 400 on the road. Who else is doing that? Nobody has to adjust more than the Colorado Rockies when they do go from such a, a nice hitter-friendly park and then they have to go to all these pitcher-friendly parks and then come back again. Nobody else has to adjust like that. And to go back to Petriello, if he wants to bring up his articles with DJ, he says in there, um, breaking balls don't break the same and all that. So in a way, it almost punishes Rockies players by having that sort of home field advantage. Because when they go on the road, like they don't see the same break on pitches or anything. So it's just like, you can look at it both ways. It's just which way do you want to discredit a player? That's the fun thing about numbers is you can just skew them however you want. Huh, Mike? So, again, Twitter war. Uh, me and this other guy, at A underscore C underscore E-M, M, he, he did the numbers for us. He's our new numbers guy. He doesn't know it yet. Um, so, Charlie Blackman started 0-9 in Texas, right? After running the numbers, our boy ACM did the numbers. Charlie, since that 09 skid, is hitting 555 on the road. So, Mike, I look forward to your, your rebuttal. Huge respect. You've done great things, but you are right. We are sick of the Coors effect argument. Get over yourself. Come up with something new. Yeah, you're wrong. Mike, all right, Mike with the, he's just trying to get clickbait. That's all he's doing. So, I mean, we clicked on it and we baited pretty hard. And More that's like, what we're doing now. So, yeah, it was, it's, a fun, it's a great argument. I love it. Um, again, we're here, we're here for the conversation. We're here for the argument. We're here for a good time. But just don't come disrespecting. Just, just baseball is good. Baseball is good. Baseball. We just ended this series against Arizona Diamondbacks, our very first series loss. Uh, I was super excited about the day game today. It was 5-5 in the fifth. Um, right to the tweet, at Blake FT Banter. If you want to come follow us, come on in. 
Um, I stopped watching and then I came back in the ninth and I was like, I'm done parenting, see the score, what just happened? No idea, uh, just super concerned because we should have won that first series, first series game and then we lost the third game. I, I might be concerned. Uh, this is the old Rocky stuff. We've been great, but my concern meter is going a little bit this way. I had to get out my, uh, my pitching staff makes me drink shirt again because clearly our pitching staff has, has uh, overcorrected and now we are, are back into the nightmare that is Rocky's pitching. Inflating and concerning. Um, I don't want to jump the gun too much, but it's one thing if you lose some close games on some tough plays, kind of like we did that last game in Seattle, but we gave up 49 hits in three games. Jesus. And, like, what's been carrying us this whole year is the solid pitching, consistent pitching, and it wasn't there at all. I mean, we were – we could have easily been swept. We almost blew that second game. So there's not really a whole lot to take away as positives from this series, except, I mean, no one's hitting better. But beyond that, it doesn't look good. And hopefully it's just kind of, you know, one of those series where you just don't have it. But um, there's only two positives to take away from the pitching staff uh, during this series, and that's Kyle Freeland is looking like the old Kyle Freeland, and Daniel Bard looks like he can he can close again. Other than those two things, I I got a lot of question marks, and I I just don't feel comfortable with any amount of lead. Kenzie was fantastic to start today. His slider was like 20 foot break, like looking like a wave out there with the white caps. And then it just hit the fifth inning and just kind of lost it. So definitely concerning. Offensively, Garrett Hansen, I'm loving the lead off. Like Hamster is our boy up top. Rye Mack might've be right back today with his home run. I don't know. And I love Nato being Nato, right? Yeah, I'll, I'll go back. It's, I mean, there's, there's a few positives there. Hamster, like you said, seems to have walked down that leadoff spot, and he's, he's just fun to watch with his speed. Um, Tapia, turning it around, that's something to be optimistic about. Hopefully he can keep that up. And, um, yeah, but Dahl is struggling hard, and that's – I don't know what it is with him, but he's hitting around 200 now. No home runs. The uh, back half of the lineup is just atrocious at this point. And even Hampson, like, he is really fun to watch. But he had a weird base running error today that it was a slow roller to the pitcher. And he just ran straight home and they threw him out very easily. So it's just it's a lot of mistakes in the field. And, and hitting-wise, it's, it's just not all clicking. Right. It's, it's one of those things is, should we have had a little bit more time at the beginning? Is it finally catching up to us? Is this the point of no return? Is the, is this the point of some concern? I, I the, yeah, we're, I think we're good. We are good. It's, we're it's Colorado Rockies. We are fine. It's hard as a Rockies fan because we get off, we get off to these starts and then it's just, we just collapse and it's just horrible. And, you're always kind of just waiting 
for when that's going to happen, and it kind of feels like it's happening now. So it's hopefully not. It's fine, though, because you know who's the lowest in the standings? The San Diego Padres. You know who's still below us? The Giants. You know who's below them? The Diamondbacks. And you know who's the team that we don't really care about, but we should care about, but we don't care about them? Who's not in, who's tied for a second? Yeah, we're not even going to say their name. Let's go. We are still in first, so you are following our coattails. You can jump on it, or you can just wave at us on our way over there, on, on, our, on, our, on our series to Texas, right? We have the Texas Rangers. We already beat them uh, two out of one at the beginning of the, the season. They are currently in second place in the, um, in the ALS. With a seven and nine record, just like the Diamondback series, I'm feeling super confident, feeling good. But since we just played the Diamondbacks, I'm feeling concerned. I am worried. Nothing stands out to me to be concerned about. But I am a Rockies fan. And this is this is our course, isn't it? Yeah, we got a three game set before we face Houston. So I mean that's I mean that's the kicker is that you never know what to expect from the pitching staff, especially at Coors. Are is that where we are in 2020 now? After we were on our high horses and feeling so so good at the beginning, we are now at the end is near Rocky Tandem. Yeah, I mean especially the last two games pitching wise, it's it's been atrocious. It's it's been what we've seen in the past. So, I mean, you can't, you can't, you can't, but refer back to those other points. Yeah. I don't, I don't really know what to think at this point because the guy, the pitching that we had that was solid totally collapsed this last series. John Gray is getting lit up. Um, I read that his fastball is only like 93, 94, and he's, he said he feels all right. So I don't know what's going on with that. Um, Tyler Kinley, who's normally solid for us, got lit up today. Sensatella got lit up. It's just – who knows? It's, it's so early in the series or the season where we're going to find out what this team is really made of. Like, it's – we're facing Lance Lynn the very first game of the series after an off day, which I think is huge for us. We've been playing 13 days straight. Bullpen gets tired. Players get tired. Might be why we struggle so much against the Diamondbacks, but we face Lance Lynn, who just dominated us with fastball the very first game of the season. And I just chalked that up to, hey, it's our first game. But now it's, what is this team made of, right? Like you said, Kirk, it's, what is this team made of? Are we coming back? Are we going to fight this fastball dude that just dominated us? He has a 1.1 ERA. He's on fire right now, but so is our offense. What's how is this going to go? I think a lot rides on that game one. Yeah, is this is this the 2017-2018 Rockies where we're making making the playoffs, or is this the 2019 where we're 20 below 500? And I, at the end of the day, it's pretty much the same team. So we'll see what happens with how players keep going throughout the season. It's going to be a roller coaster. Like you, again, like, are you going to let these two bad games 
just overcome you and it's a trend now all of a sudden and we're back into into old Rockies territory or we're going to bounce back and obviously hopefully we bounce back but you're going against a guy like Lance Lynn who's a weird pitcher because you don't think he should be that good but dude is consistently a really solid pitcher he doesn't blow it by anybody he is just a good smart pitcher and I don't know if we have what it takes to to overcome all these obstacles that we have right now. The greatest thing about Lance Lynn, just as a human being, is his dad bod. Dude does not care. He's like a mini David Wells out there. And it's just so funny seeing him piping 95 mile per hour fastballs down the zone. Dude, him and the boys just go out and pound Bud Lights as soon as the game's <laughs> over, man. In the parking lot. They don't even care. <laughs> Definitely not Coors Lights. Otherwise, they would be have a little bit higher ERA right now. Who's the, who's the offensive player that we're worried about on the Rangers? Who's, who's the guy? So, we all know who Elvis Andrews is. Every, every year, one of my fantasy leagues, nobody cares. Somebody always tries, me, tries to trade me Elvis Andrews, and I always say no. Because he just reminds me of that hype train that never panned out. And he still hasn't panned out. 149 average this year, OPS 438. Nothing too scary. Um, I am a little bit worried about Odor, just knocking out somebody at second. I don't know why he would, but you never know. Maybe maybe Dana Murphy does something goofy as a round second base again. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. Well, Ooh. Joey Gallo's coming to town, so – <laughs> you might see some absolute moonshots in Coors Field. So that's something to watch for. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is Joey Gow. That was the first person I, I thought of. Andrus is um, he's a weird character because he's a shortstop. So typically offensive production is just short at that position. So people <laughs> give hype to, to people that even are a little bit competent. Like Nick Ahmed for the Diamondbacks coming through town two years ago, dude couldn't get out of a white paper sack. If Gallo, Gallo comes up to the plate, if Gallo comes up to the plate, you just got to pray to God that nobody's on base. That's it. Because if you give up a shot, whatever, he can hit it 500 feet. It's all good if it's just him. But if you got two guys on, one guy on, then that's when you're absolutely in trouble. We will be excited to watch a Joey Gallo home run in Coors because you know that thing's going 500 plus, like you said. We are at the 2007 Colorado Rockies short season or not. Mike Petriello, it, we are here. We're listening. If you want to come on the podcast and discuss, we'll, we'll be more than happy to put you on here. But Coors effect all, is real, but make sure it's equal. All gas, no brakes, not touching home. Let's go. <laughs> let's go we are the blake street banter this is episode four one of us know what banter means the other two are just along for the ride let's go